Into the Nexus is a production of AMove.tv. Bookmark AMove TV for other great video games and esports podcasts. Into the Nexus is sponsored by listeners like you via patreon.com slash ITN. Greetings and welcome back, everyone. This is Into the Nexus, the podcast all about Heroes of the Storm. I'm Garrett Weinzerl, here with my brother in podcasting crime, Kyle Ferguson. Crime. Yes. Damn. Yes. <laughs> yes, we are criminals. How's it going, Garrett? Oh, it's going great, man. Like, uh, if, uh, podcast audience at home, this is why uh, you should consider showing up for the live show because we just committed the crime of spending 30 minutes reading the chonkiest forum post I have ever seen come out of the Heroes team uh, because it came out uh, over my lunch hour. I, I, I don't know what you do, Mr. Three Hours in the Past uh, while I'm eating lunch before Into the Nexus, but I know oh. we, we both usually are very busy right before we sit down to record the show, and of course, that's when the chonkiest forum post in the history of the Heroes of the Storm uh, existence went up on the uh, went up on the official forum. So we, we sat here for 30 minutes on stream being horribly uninteractive which is a crime, and uh, and we're trying to digest this so that we could talk about that forum post on this very program. Yes. Yeah, AZ Jackson took to the forums asking for feedback about the Tower Anomaly. And boy, Garrett, I'm going to have some much stronger opinions than I would otherwise this week because I've been participating in the CCL Season 2, the Community Clash League over at Heroes Hearth. I've got a team. We had our first match last night. I'm teamed up with Tim from Heroes of Fitness, Totsky, uh, Miss Pause, and Mune is our team captain. Rad. And I have learned a lot this week. How'd your games go? I didn't have a chance to catch. We, oh, we got we got zero two. We got zero two. Yeah. Uh, it, it, uh, all right. We, well, well, now I feel a little a little safer making the joke of did you get any wins? Was how I almost did you did you guys start winning yet? Is how I almost phrased no. that. <laughs> no, we 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 are having some gelling problems. Also, our enemy team practiced sixteen hours. Uh, and we practiced four. So it's let me happen. tell you, I have never been, I was on Malganus for one of the games. I have never received a double silence last rights. And it is the lamest thing on the planet. And I am absolutely blown away by it. Can you it imagine is. being a backline tank? You know, like you might in Storm League. And you receive a Malfurion silence. Well, that, that'll be okay. I'll use my carrion swarm on the other side. What if a Sylvanas arrow came flying in and gave you a silence for the rest of it? Your health is now below half and uh, last rights hits you. You don't, you don't get to play the video game in that environment. You, you don't, man. You don't. Um, I'm sorry. That sounds traumatic. I mean, clearly I, it was. You're still thinking about it. Yeah, it, it definitely haunted me. Did, did, you, did awesome. you wake up slapping the bed last night and going, not to double silence? Well, there's there, there's one uh, there's some there's some bonuses. First of all, uh, I did a fantastically orc double soak. I out I outsoaked a master's player, which which felt nice. Um, you know what my team did with that experience is is up for uh, replay review this weekend as we're all going to sit down and watch what happens out there. But I, I did a great job on Leoric, and my URL was banned every game. Garrett, my URL is so awesome. 
that it got banned out in the very first ban in both of those games. Garrett, I made it to the big times. Even better, I'm putting out a video next week about how to play URL. So now there's going to be like this beautiful stigma. Like, oh, wow, we better listen. Because Kyle's Euro was so good, we didn't even get to see it. It would have been more detrimental to that video's release if I actually got to play because people might notice mistakes I made. Now it's just legendary. Oh, man, that is a wonderful marketing technique. And because of that, yeah. please go to patreon.com slash IT and support the show. You cannot hear the rest of this. It's too good. <laughs> We're going to end the show right now. <laughs> Secrets only for the patrons. Exactly. <laughs> but, um... I, I, there's a lot of questions, I think, on everybody's mind, and I am here to blow the lid. Uh, Mune's very nice. It, it's true. Mune is an excellent shot caller, was extremely supportive, went through our picks. We've done replay reviews. He's a very supportive team captain, and I want everybody to know that. He was very, very nice to everyone. That's great, man. Yeah, but I also got to absorb his strong, strong opinions about the tower changes. And that is a right click until forts are dead. You should not touch the enemy lane. You certainly shouldn't touch the enemy players. And let's put it in a nice term. Brain dead. Brain dead was his opinion mm. of how we now accurate, accurately play around buildings. All right. I mean, and in that, because because when you're right clicking the fort until it's dead, the opposing team actually can't interact with you in any way. There's no X factor that you have to make decisions and change your gameplay based on. That is definitely the definition of brain dead to me and not at all an overreaction of an angry opinion. Well, that's why I led with he's nice. So let, <laughs> let, let's take it. Let's take it at face value here. When that fort does not die and that fort is trickle XP plus catapults because somebody wanted to clear a lane zone a hero when we all could have five man died but right clicked correctly i can see where he's coming from there's a lot in those forts that isn't just armor reduction catapults trickle xp map control and i'm gonna have some very different opinions now i, ha I have played in an organized environment i storm league is where my my thoughts go all the time, and I think this uh, these changes have been really strong for solo, wiggly, weird, make it up as you go kind of play. But when you got five people in comms, all with one plan in mind, maybe it is a little brain dead. Well, Kyle, how are the majority of Heroes of the Storm players playing this game? And that is definitely a huge factor. Yeah. See where I'm going with this. Yes. So we should proceed on with the show. Mm, we should. We should. Before we do so, we want to thank those of you at home supporting us via our Patreon. You can head on over to patreon.com slash ITN to support the show. If you're unfamiliar with it, it is an opt-in subscription service. You can, you can support Into the Nexus like you support Netflix, but for way less. In fact, however much you would like. You could also support us for way more than Netflix if you think to yourself, you know... I like them way better than watching. I don't know. What have you been watching? Uh, Sabrina for like the 17th time. I don't know. It was a recent I, show. I, I finished I'm, up. I finished Netflix. I, I'm, I'm watching Hulu right now. <laughs> you finished Netflix. I mean, that is, yeah. a, that's impressive. That's very impressive. Yeah, well, everything I want to watch for now, you know, that's a subscription. I kind of, you know, go in and out of it. 
I'm I'm almost done with Mad Men. Never watched it before. Oh, I hear that's good. It it takes a long time to get there, but uh, wait, hang on. We're advertising that you should support this show, not Netflix. We shouldn't exactly. talk about what Netflix. Exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah, Mad yeah. Men's not that good. We're way no, better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Patreon.com/itn. Hey, we appreciate this word, everybody. That's that's the main point here. Uh, so go check it out if you want to support the show. However much works for you, works for us. It all adds up. So thank you very much. And we've got perks for you, like signing up for the Patreon Bonanza, which we're going to have one next week, Kyle. So current patrons, head on over to Patreon.com/itn. Keep an eye on it. A, a sign up post will be going up very soon that means you get to play games with us thursday night after we're done with the show and after we've had dinner we take a bit of a break so that we can go <laughs> put stomach or put food in our stomach not put stomach in our food and uh, unless you know you're a tripe fan right i mean it's probably a little i guess that's more intestines but a what tripe you've never had tripe i why doesn't matter it just i does that replace dinner it's a type of food that could be dinner Oh, that's like saying chicken replaces dinner. It's an ingredient or it's a protein, Kyle. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I misspoke and was trying to roll with it. Anyways, to our, some of our more recent patrons, <laughs> Dr. Jalapeno, which is one of the best patron names I've come across in a while. And also Patrick Collin. Thank you so very much for signing up to support the show. You also get access to the patron only discord and ad free feed. Other perks. Go check it out. Patreon.com. Slash ITN. And now let's get into it, Kyle. This week's Heroes of the Storm news. We're on, boys! <laughs> let's liven up this place! Point me to the stage. Stay a while and listen. So if you go over to the Heroes of the Storm official forums right now, you're going to see a very, very recent post called The Heroes Team Wants Your Feedback. And that post is barely an hour old at the time of recording this here podcast. And, in, and that, that headline is also really sneaky. That is the most generic headline I could think of, Kyle. I could ever think of for a for a post with this much meat. My mm. goodness. So AZ Jackson put up this post today. Again, it, for, to reiterate, it's called The Heroes Team Wants Your Feedback. And there is a lot of hints at where this current anomaly may be going put in this uh, this here post. So, uh, AZ Jackson, you buried the lead, dude. This, this should be you. This should be the most clickbaity headline in the history of the heroes forums. This should just be like heroes is about to explode with massive changes to the anomaly. And we'd like to know what you think. That's what it should say. I disagree. I think we are in a new era of steam green light or whatever it's called. Nowadays, we are in an era where games are made by the community i've been playing a great game called deep rock galactic and that thing was basically uh, left for dead forged on the ideas that the community wanted to have in left for dead and it grew from there this is this is a paramount moment in blizzard to be so open and, and to help to help them construct the game they can't agree on what, and we're not talking about like the things we've said, we have to let them know what we want. Like we're talking about, we can actually shape the game and they know where they think they want to go, but the team is open. And I think that's huge. It's a minor thing, but it's huge. Okay. I mean, I feel like the heroes team has kind of been this way for about a year now. I feel like they've been sure. pretty good, pretty receptive. Uh, how quickly they really, uh, course corrected. Some might even use the term neutered the first anomaly of the XP orbs. 
like that you're describing that we've we have, yeah. we've been here it's not like we arrived it's like no 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 now we're nestling in we're, we're the, the shoes are off the feet are on the coffee table that's how comfortable i feel we are with this with this type of uh heroes of the storm team but uh, i love that we're leading with the on paper rules like we are playing a, a board game that we have to read the rule book and then be able to play without you know a, a voice a teacher teaching us how and then we walk back because things don't feel natural in that way the xp orb situation with poison and all that it was very clear it was extremely clear the idea that a gazlo turret could be attacking someone in a distant world and you could be attacked by the tower that's very very clear you are dealing damage to a hero i think they always start on the right foot with these and now we walk back to where things feel correct not necessarily rule book good it's where it's the it's the strategy I prefer, and I feel like I've been having this conversation a lot around Blizzard games lately. It's been the same over in Hearthstone because Demon Hunter has been nerfed three patches in a row. That's how strong it, it, it landed. And so I've been having the same conversation over on the Angry Chicken that, listen, I'd rather have that than the opposite. I don't want uh, the first new class in the history of this game to launch and be boring and not be represented and not be played and not be something that I interact with. That would bore me to tears. You need some hype. It, it To me... It's better to do these sorts of things. And the same thing goes for like reworks and major anomalies and Heroes of the Storm. It's better to go a little too far to upset the apple cart, get people talking, get people's attention, than to have them not even realize that you've changed anything at all. And, you know, hell, there's two reworks right now that are great examples of that. Tracer, which was extremely effective. Everybody's talking about it. Everyone's yelling about Lifesteal Broken. And on the flip side, there's Cassia. Do you see anyone playing Cassia since like the first three days? I don't. No. I don't think they went far enough with that with that no. rework. No. Deathwing's a great example of exactly what you're saying. Like we yep. needed big hype for a big dragon, and if the numbers were under overtuned, so be it. But this is not just a we want your feedback. We're not sure where to go. They lay out where they want to go. They then list the pros and cons. So let's get into it. Yeah. Yeah, let's 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 do it. So um, first off, I, I just want to say, like, you should go read this in full. It is fascinating. It is chonky. There's still parts of this I haven't even looked at because we're a lot of this. Kyle, you and I are coming to it in real time. Uh, but there's a big chunk of this that's like a history of structure aggro and what led to the current anomaly. So go read Jackson's post in full. If you're a Heroes fan, I think you're going to find it wildly fascinating. But th- then they start to get into what they like about the current anomaly. Um, and Jackson says that they believe that they have succeeded in the towers feeling smarter as a defending player that, that you, that, you know, when the enemy comes in and the tower note, like starts firing on whatever that, that we think, oh yeah, cool. Our towers are attacking the things I think it should be attacking, especially if you were then being attacked by an enemy hero and they start taking shots. Um, and so they think it towers feel like they're doing what they should be doing or just structures in general. They also say that they believe they've created cool high tension moments when enemy heroes dive under a tower. I agree with that. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, I, I had a losing game against the uh, in quick match just today against uh, they had a Genji and a tracer on the opposing team. My God, man, the, the, the tricky BS that happened underneath my own tower actually entertained me. It was some of the trickiest stuff I've seen since this anomaly went live. It was actually pretty cool, even though, I was on the receiving end of it. 
And then finally, they said that the combination on their end of being able to manipulate tower damage and the stacking armor debuff gave them a lot of room to manipulate exactly how they want these interactions to feel going forward. <laughs> Jackson even uses one of, my, one of our favorite terms to invoke when we're talking about smart design and Heroes of the Storm. Gives us a good tu- good tuning knobs to decide how much defensive power is from the tower itself or from the nearby enemy heroes who are there to defend it. Rat, do you do you before we move on? Is there anything here under the what what we like section that you, Kyle Ferguson, take umbrage with? We You're- believe it creates cool high tension moments when heroes dive under a tower this is given my new knowledge which was presented in a very strong way i I will i will no of course lead with that Uh, it's tough to say that they're cool because they're wrong and that was the information i learned this week going to get a kill under a tower because uh, particularly if we're talking about forts the time that they are dead is not valuable enough compared to not completing the kill on that fort. And we can even twist this further in saying that something that I really embraced was Urel Art and Defender, which allows me to absorb incoming damage and turn it into 50% healing. The tower changes and armor reduction in that way. We're, we're great. I mean, get, I take more damage, therefore I'm healing more? Like, hot damn. What a waste of a huge heroic though i believe 90 seconds off the top of my head to go in there accomplish something that doesn't mean anything to the grand state of the game maybe a kill and spend my 90 second heroic which they won't even be dead for the entire time that i'm still on cooldown when i could have not been awesome not jumped over all the walls been a complete button there and knocked people around and instead just auto attacked auto-attacked and made sure I did not cast anything that might accidentally hit somebody. Tower, tower, wall, fort. So did things that were cool but wrong not exist before this anomaly? Did this anomaly suddenly usher in the only instance of this is rad but the inefficient way to play this game? And that is rhetorical. You don't need to answer. No, it didn't. Like, it's really right. rad that certain heroes can solo a boss. Maybe doing it in the middle of objective is the wrong freaking time to be doing it, but it's still cool. These types of examples have existed for all of Heroes of the Storm's life. So, again, I come back to 90% of us aren't playing five stack with comms. So, <laughs> and you led with a great example, which is like Tracer Genji. Both of those have ways to bail out of there quickly, deflect, like dodge those moments where their armor would be, be being reduced or they would be getting in trouble, but they're on a stricter time limit. Like that that perspective, I think is really, really smart. I think Johanna has become, if she wasn't already the, the absolute tippy top, you must be able to play if you're going to even draft in this game tank because of Iron Skin. I'm not even talking about like getting Q with like reinforce and like reinforce. Now you got physical armor and like oh under. Like I'm just talking about iron skin allows you to get in there and get more done and even you know slow that team, condemn them and this, while still being able to get out on the other side. This is where you start to sell me. Uh, I guess for the sake of this conversation, the voice of the people <laughs> in that like 
Because how do we get away from Johanna being the de facto best tank in this post, you know, call for help anomaly Heroes of the Storm, right? How do you do that? Well, the easy answer, the first place my brain goes, and let me know if I'm if you think I'm crazy, is more tanks need to have abilities similar to Iron Skin or alternative ways to mitigate what the hell is coming in from these structures, right? Because otherwise it's like Johanna or bus. Like, what are you doing? Like, and if neither team has Johanna, you're like, what are you just infinitely dancing around until it is safe, safe enough to just right click the structure. Yeah. And we're not talking about unstoppable there. We're talking about like the shielding, the bonus yes. health that sits on top of your health because Garrosh goes in there. Math wise, he is being destroyed. Like Garrosh's health is set to an armor trait. And if he receives any negative armor, that is a huge deduction in what his overall health pool is. If you get my math meaning without right, doing just, the math. It just cancels him out as a as a hero. Um, and and so to continue with my kind of my thought process of like, this is why you start to sell me on this goes too far is because if that's how we have to fix it, if we have to fix it by giving a lot more tanks similar abilities to Johanna's or maybe take Johanna's ability away. Either way, we start to really homogenize like tanks, right? Cause if to everyone, an extent, yeah, if everyone needs to be, if we need like, cause like what, what do you, what would even be an acceptable number of tanks that can do what Johanna does? Let's just call it four. So there's a chance, uh, two of them make it through draft, right? Like, do we want four tanks that are like more like Johanna? I don't really, I'd, I'd like the asymmetry of tank design. Yeah, and it's not, you know, there are other factors too, like ETC, every time he casts a spell, he gets armor, which works to make sure he lives longer and that reduction doesn't go as far. He doesn't feel the same as Johanna, though, in that situation. What if we took Blaze, you know, a lesser picked main tank, something that might even be considered a main tank by some, and we made it so that any healing he does beyond his maximum health is turned into shields? Could we take that extreme situation with ETC and say if he guitar solos at full health, he gets shields at that amount or maybe a percent of that amount. There is a way that we could make this less homogenized. We're just saying that tanks are also capable of increasing their max health as a feature. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's interesting. Um, and so I don't, and this is where, where I start to peter out, I think as someone who, as, as an interested party that wants to spitball ideas for hero design, right? Because like, at what point is it too homogenized? How many unique ideas for this type of health increase can you come up with? And are we going too far because of this anomaly? Like, at a certain point, is there a, is there a simpler answer to, right. the, to and the question? I, and I don't think they want to do this. I, I think we just invented a very cool way to encourage our non-priority tanks to be picked more often. but. The real anomaly answer, just like our movement speed answer, is to change the anomaly, not go through and change every warrior. Right, right. But again, I'm also kind of interested in taking another look yeah. at warriors because it's a little stale. It's yeah, a little well, stale. And, and, and chat brings up that Johanna was the best tank before these changes, and that's true, particularly because we don't focus fire. That's our big problem with Johanna is that you grab a big handful and you say, anything in here anyone want to kill? All right. And, and we maybe pick the same target accidentally and we win. Uh, uh, and also, one switch. like, Johanna just works in coordinated and uncoordinated. She's the best in both. Yeah. Like, 
It's just she just gets better with coordination. Whereas Muradin, I don't want him on my Storm League team. I don't I'm not going to know where you're going, who you're stunning, but put him in an organized play environment. Yeah, I'll I'll target your target. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So anyway, so that's what they like. And then they they went on to talk about with what they see as issues with the current system. They did. They said that they believe towers are currently too punishing to consistently create the cool high tension moments that they described above the Tracer Genji anecdote you know they're a little too punishing for that to be a thing there's very specific heroes that can even get away with that stuff and as you've already pointed out it's kind of the wrong way to play to begin with even though it is very freaking cool um they also said that many players don't like how much they have to change their behavior when near enemy towers particularly the ones near gates mainly due to splash damage inadvertently causing towers to attack them this is something you and i i think have mentioned on every single episode since the anomaly was announced was that watch watch your splash damage? So there's that as well. Uh, and then the, the next two are the ones I think are the most interesting. They said a lot of the map is now more dangerous than before, making it less possible to fight enemy heroes, particularly in the early game. This exacerbates issues we already have with our desire to make the laning phase of the game more interesting. Are they, to me, I read in this and say they've. They, they, They've kind of de-incentivized taking risks because yes. the risk is too great. Right. I, I think the the one that first comes to mind is top lane cursed hollow objective. And there's that right side bush that yep. if you stick a toe through, the tower targets you. Mm-hmm. And you're dead now without a minus armor. For the, as long as it lasts, you are out of the fight. Which, you know, if we're talking about like, well, let's just let's just change the whole game. Let's give all warrior shields. Like, what if we gave all healers We kind of did a World of Warcraft solution? Well, every healer gets one long cooldown single target big heal. Uh, I'm thinking about something like Alex Straza or Malfurion here who are suffering since this anomaly come out. If we look at win rates since the anomaly was released, Alex Straza and Malfurion have fallen the most. Now, of course, that highlights my point right above them at a lesser percent is Lieutenant Morales, who can heal one target so and put armor on them. So, you know, it's a it's all the statistics and what I want to point out to at the end of the day. But we are also overtaxing our healers now by those mistakes made by the Warriors and the rest of the team. I agree that these these cool moments are too dangerous, particularly in that late game throw sort of environment. So the first thing I'm thinking of with Cursed Hollow in tow, let's reduce tower range. We have made, if we draw danger lines on the lane, our space where we're safe to interact and play the solo lane or even a late game team fight is much, much smaller now than it previously was. And that might be the limiting factor. It's interesting. So let's make sure the tower can attack all the minions that it needs to. But any any range beyond that Let's let's cut that down. That might be that might be kind of difficult because I'm trying to think of the distance that archer minions are from the towers currently. Like, let, let's say for whatever reason, wave got cleared. No one interacted with it at that point, and so they're like perfectly stacking up. I feel like the archers are still still about the distance of that bush on cursed hollow, aren't they? Let's see. Range minions have an attack range of five, so that would be most heroes would be in that range. And on the range of towers. 
Oh, let, let's find out. Uh, but yeah, this is also an interesting and, and mute point because, you know, uh, you ever been on Battlefield of Eternity or Infernal Shrines with a Zul'jin on the enemy team on your keep? Those explosions do not interact with him if he's max stacks and quest complete. Uh, he outranges the core's abilities and burns down your core without with impunity. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let me know when you find that tower range. We're doing this in real time because this was so, so last minute for the oh, show, yeah. folks. Oh, like, yeah. We, no. we couldn't practice uh, so talk like we usually do. Keeps have a range of 7.75 and uh, Fort Towers 7.75. Cool. So those are the same. Okay, 7. so we do, have, we do have some range to play with without changing Archer's range. So let's go to six. Let's go to five. Five is strong because I agree with you. The 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 concave that will happen with archers might leave them stumbling over each other. We're not in catapult range in the first place, so it's not like we're going to limit that factor. That's always been the case. Same thing with like siege giants, right? Like these these, these units that are intended to be out of range of... Yeah, so units that are intended to be out of range of structure fire will still be out of range because we're talking about shortening the range, not not lengthening it. Um. So that's where my mind thought. goes. Yeah. 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 Attack range on forts is eight. So we're looking at a 0.25 increase. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's an interesting thought. I didn't really, you're, you're now you're starting to reel me in, man. You're starting to reel me in. If you need to say brain dead, I'm just like, whatever. Another angry pro. I just turn off. I just turn sure, another, sure. another out of touch pro who can't slum it with the rest of us. Um, yeah, and I, I appreciate you may not making those my words, though. It was a convincing argument when when pressured for more information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, this is all in, in playful, right? Like, like this is at, at a certain point, it's just like, I don't have the experience that a lot of these pros have. Most of you're us not, don't have yeah, that you're experience. You're not wrong. Like, we can talk about five stacks not being allowed, bring back hero labor in the end. It's a minimal amount of games that you fight a full five stack, and it's tough to fix that situation. You certainly yeah. don't want to. Yeah. We've we've been to HTC. I don't want to go back there. I'm, <laughs> let's let let that's the statement I can agree with. I don't want to go back to focus fire armor stacking, shield stacking land because the damage was so high for everybody else but us in the game. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it was a little ridiculous. Um. So, yeah. Oh, and then finally, they said when too powerful, which they believe it currently is, uh, this current anomaly de-incentivizes players from pushing with their map objectives, which can make those moments feel less awesome. Now, this is where this is a, a, a very specific thought that the community, that folks in our Discord, folks tweeting us at us, writing and whatever, have slowly chipped away at how much I like this anomaly. I'm really starting to come around to the community on this one because so much of my core belief in here is the storm is do what makes the most sense do what feels the most natural and as much as we can aim the the correct strategy in that direction i don't think it needs to like not everything in the game needs to be very abundantly obviously the correct thing to do right but i like it when we're at least aiming or leaning in that direction leaning in the direction of this just makes the most sense let's do it that's the right call at this moment in the game uh and i don't think this does I love to split push. I really do. But I've heard some really impassioned arguments and I'm, I'm essentially convinced at this point that the right thing to do should be pushing with the objective. And so yeah. often it is not. We can be like 
strategically, I think it's very cool that we have encouraged the choice to split split push. I think it's awesome that on Battlefield of Eternity, there is a conversation that happens as we all run to go get our globes. And then we go, are we going to split push? Or are we going to push with this? What's our team comp like? What's our sustained damage to get through a building like? Do we need to be with that? Do we have enough CC to take advantage of the stun circles that's going to do? No? Well, let's go split push and maybe we can get two forts if we're lucky, but it's certainly complete one fort. I also think of part of the swarm where they discovered that StarCraft's really fun if we just have AI Zerglings just constantly spawning past you doing their business. Like we want to be in epic battles. We want to feel like we're in the middle of an army being heroes. And the camp design and the objective design gives us that fantasy to not go with a Punisher over the wall on my URL feels silly. There was even a moment uh, this week where an enemy team got a frozen Punisher and my brain went, well, wait a minute. A a team that's levels up shouldn't get a frozen Punisher. They should get a mortar Punisher or something. If I win the objective and I'm levels down, it should give me a frozen Punisher as like a comeback mechanic. Oh, that would be really interesting. But that, that gets into like, they shouldn't be allowed to dive me in this new game system and I'm butting heads with the mechanics yeah 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 and this is as as i said this is where i start to come over to the other side of the conversation so what does this all mean what are they thinking about doing kyle and and they actually told us they gave us some kind of direction and these are the things that they want to hear from us players of heroes of the storm on um so one of the things they're considering is change changing all structures to prioritize map objectives before anything else and then they give pros and cons for all of this, which is really rad. So in their in their mind, the pros of this is that it would fix players not wanting to push with map objectives. My gut reaction is already, yes, yay on this one. But the cons, they said, is that it adds another rule that can be unintuitive for the defending players since they will not always be defending by their towers only most of the time, which can be confusing and goes against the primary goal of towers feeling smart and how they work. I don't know. I think it's, to me... It feels smart because it feels like they should be attacking the giant scary monster. Do only heroes get armor reduction? I'm not sure. Maybe chat can answer that. I'm sure Uh, someone in chat will know that. Okay, yes. 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 Okay. Cool, cool. Uh, Because that would definitely be a counter acting to the ease of this. Because if a Punisher jumps the wall and on the enemy team, we have to say, now wait, everybody, don't attack it until it's at max stacks of uh, armor reduction because we want to do more damage to it safely. Like then we'd start getting silly. But no, I think that's that. I'm coming on board with that. I. I don't want to see the beautiful objective die faster, I think, is the dream. Why I might be even arguing with it, but that feels natural. Yeah, yeah, and it's very different, like, based on the objective, right? Because, like, uh, terrors are going to be turning buildings off, so they won't die as yeah. fast unless it's unless the pots are being destroyed by enemy heroes. And It's very, it's, it's very interesting. And again, though, they already have, they have tuning knobs in place, and it's the health pool of these objectives. Like, if they're dying too fast, crank it up. Mm, man, so Alterac Pass sounds real bad. That what? doesn't sound fun. Why? Well, because it's going to target the right guy. I guess it already targeted the right guy. Probably did already target the right guy. And I wasn't going to steal aggro off it anyway. Never mind. I mean, in, in 
if you're doing it right, if you're doing the quote unquote brain dead uh, strategy, yeah, it should just be targeting the objective already. Yeah. Yeah. It shouldn't be targeting you. Um, Okay. That's fine. I, I almost, if they target that, I think I disagree. I think I disagree with the statement that it would be complex. I think it'd feel very natural. I do too. Yeah. I I don't agree that it's unintuitive. I think there is a world where we could maybe make it more intuitive, but we'd have to reduce strategies, which people who are good like. So I'm thinking about the sidewall situation. Punisher, the Punisher is such a great example of this because it's so extreme in this target towering example because we isolate we'll, it out. Well, we'll keep, keep, I would say running with it, but in this case, keep jumping with it. Yeah, I'm going to jump with it. So Punisher goes over the wall. We all know that all the forts, keeps, and whatnot are going to be targeting the Punisher. So we want to get in there and get busy, get some kills, get crazy. So we destroy sidewalls and run around the towers to join the Punisher because it's on a stricter time limit now. We don't have time to get towers and whatnot. When that becomes the yell that fact you didn't destroy sidewalls, my brain goes, oh, get rid of sidewalls. What are they there for? They're they're, they're there to like give away people who don't know how to path correctly late game site or for Illidan to flip over. Can we just... Can we just get rid of them? Can we... I don't know. Hold on. Pump the brakes. Because uh, wells will just never exist again. If we get rid of, oh no, I'm not saying like no, 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 no. They're like they're 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 they're, they're terrain. They they do not they they are not targetable. They are not health pool things that can be destroyed. Oh, gotcha. Not that there is like beautiful opening straight to the well okay. for leaming okay. the fire orbs fair. and whatnot. Fair, fair, yeah. fair. Okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> I, I, I apologize to any devs who are listening to this and are like, oh my goodness, stick to the subject. But you <laughs> you were riding with your thoughts here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they also said a con is that towers don't defend their teammates in the moments of the game when they need them most. Again, I think it's intuitive because if we like, I don't know. Cause like a lot of this is, is, is coming from feeling, but I, I feel emboldened by the fact that I don't think it's an unpopular feeling, which is I feel that they should, that the structure should be attacking the giant scary thing. And then if you're, if you're defending the giant scary thing coming in, you should just think, well, I'm not going to have my structures helping me because they're that my structures are busy dealing with the objective. And I understand that. And I'm going to adjust my game plan accordingly. It'd be so different if the tower damage and the armor reduction on everyone, but kind of Johanna to work in our earlier discussion wasn't so strong. I don't feel like I can say Punisher, I've got you, buddy. I'm gonna make sure you live for as long as possible. Towers, look at me. It's just too dangerous. That's where I don't disagree. I, I disagree with these cons because I can't perform the side strategy to empower my objective otherwise. Yeah. Is it is it equally negative though if the the new quote unquote brain dead strategy just becomes right click the objective before we defend? <laughs> step, step away from. We need a new word. We need a new word. Uh, optimal might be more positive. <laughs> but is it an equal negative if that's now the optimal strategy, which is right click the objective? All right, now we play the game. All right, and then we work in the sidewall thing too, and mm-hmm. things can yeah. That's the only interesting, that's the only thought that kind of pops in my head, but uh, I'm going to move past it for the sake of this, of this conversation. But 
Um, so there's only two of us, so we can't have a tiebreaker, but yay or nay on change structures to prioritize map objectives before anything else. Uh, yay. I'm, I'm for it. I, I think am, I am yay as well. Curse how it's no, nothing there. Um, of course, uh, I think we work bosses into this then if we're going to do that, because big, big things get targeted first. I think that makes it more. Clear. I agree. I agree. They can't, they can't. Uh, yeah. And, and so I don't think a, a bruiser can't make sense. And they, they're already out of range of siege giants. So that's not even a conversation worth having. Um, but bosses just again, like, does this make sense? Do you, does it seem like it should be the focus of structures? And then the answer is yes. And to me, bosses are like a no brainer. Bosses should totally be targeted because also bosses should be pushed with. Mm. Well, it depends. It depends. It depends. But if you're in, (laughs) well, here's an easy way to hand wave that one. If you're in a position where you should push with the boss, you should push with the boss and not go, Oh, who can argue with that? We need a split push. (laughs) Like, no, Uh, I'm, I'm hungry. You should eat food. Done. <laughs> yes. Not, oh, but uh, the Cheeto aggro, it's going to actually... <laughs> right, it'll ruin my buffet later tonight. It's like, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't eat at a buffet if, you've, if you're hungry now. Uh, maybe you shouldn't eat at a buffet because of the current state of the world. But, well, uh, <laughs> that was, that, yeah, my, my parents were very much about, like, stocking up for the buffet. Like, we're going to do a buffet tonight, guys. Everyone get really crazy hungry, and we're just kids, like, dying on the floor. We're like, please, Mom. <laughs> Can I have a saltine? All right, we're getting lost in the analogy weeds. Let's move okay. on. Yes, move Second on. proposed change. Change tower aggro so that the front towers prioritize minions, but the forts, keeps, and king's core. Somebody please write in, why is it king's core? Just core. Because it used to be a chest. Just core. It's fine. It, it, we, we never got to play that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, change tower aggroes to that uh, front towers prioritize minions, but forts, keeps, and core prioritize heroes who attack other heroes. Pros! The early game would better reward aggression and pushing, and less of the map would be as dangerous as it currently is with the new system. Also, players could attack gates without feeling like their splash damage could get them in trouble. Cons! That's complexity to the game with two different aggro rules depending on the structure. I actually agree with the cons this time. Yeah, I don't want I don't want towers to be different than keeps. The game isn't long enough for that rule to feel effective. I don't hate this though, is the thing. I agree with the cons, but I don't hate the idea that your laning phase could consist of of sieging safely. I don't it's really hard for me to agree with this as someone who played Warcraft 3 Dota for such a long time where there was one tower with one set of rules we've divided into three buildings I want them all to have the same rules fair fair Hmm. so is this a quick one like a nay from you yeah I think I think the I think the armor difference between the two is great because these two towers will add up to be the fort and that's fine I'm fine with a towers doing different damage than forts. Something about the rules being different just feels weird. And uh, plus earlier, here we go. Here we go. Earlier I was arguing, I want to limit the restriction on the lane. And if the towers are just as mad at the, hang on. 
Well, so the proposed change was that uh, front towers prioritize minions, but the forts and keeps. Yeah. Oh, I guess that would decrease the. Okay, hang on. <laughs> you coming around? Because it, if it's prioritizing minions in the tower range, that means Sonya can push and not worry about whirlwinding the enemy hero who steps into it, and all those other like my thrall Are you can cast my lightning. defense for me. What is happening? Yeah, my thralls lightning can bounce on it. I can help burn down a tower fast with lightning because it's not going to bounce onto a hero. It's 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 an interesting one, man. This is this is one where I want to put the ball back in the developer's court. Like, do you do you believe in this? Because I'm giving it one big thumb sideways. I really don't know how I feel about this one. Like my gut kind of goes, well, it kind of makes sense. It's laning phase. I should be able to do damage to the stuff directly in front of me when I clear a lane out. I, you know, I've done I've done my homework, Kyle. I I, I, I ate my dinner. It's time for my dessert. For me is like I I froze the lane for as long as it was. I saw an opening because I'm paying attention to the mini map. I clear the lane. I, and now I get to go and try and get structure damage in. That's my dessert. And so in a way, to me, this makes a lot of sense. But when I have to like, I don't know, explain it. And then when I think about it for more than a second, I'm like, ah, this is quite the stacking doll of rules. Yeah, it, it makes me want to throw out the whole thing when I think about this change. I'm like, nah, nah, just just get rid of the whole anomaly. This is this is getting weird. I, you know what I would be for? Getting rid of the armor reduction on the towers. I think the forts can stay special team fight things. If I have a massive lane of archers, maybe I can make the choice to take priority to help them live a long time i like Maybe that. that's okay uh, and you know what dude that would help that that very corner you mentioned on cursed hollow a ton yeah if if towers are no longer doing armor reduction oh i like that a lot that feels right I, that that's that's my answer final answer no phone a friend i'm voting for kyle's uh manip- complete and utter disregard for this suggestion <laughs> and creating his own <laughs> Mythbusters, man. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Final suggestion by the heroes team that they want feedback on. Lower the damage that structures do to heroes. They already did this. Yeah. Yeah. But they're thinking about doing it more. Okay. Pros. Towers won't be as directly threatening themselves, which mitigates the issue of them being too punishing in the early game. It's the armor reduction. It's not the damage that it's doing. That, that's what he's talking about, though. Like, it, the armor reduction empowers a enemy team to defend. By lowering the tower damage, if you push in, get aggro, and then they leave, you're not dead when there's no team there to defend. Yeah, but isn't the, the biggest crux of this entire conversation, the reason we're even, we've even spent 47 minutes so far this podcast talking about it, is how it manipulates the team fight around a structure push? Sure. That's the main entire over-encompassing we are under the umbrella of that topic. Yeah. And just barely outside in the rain are a couple ancillary solo-pushing conversations. But, um, yeah, that's that's why I I still don't think this is that 
big of a deal. Anyways, uh, additional pros that they wrote, players will have more time to be aggressive with tower diving and less immediately punished when towers initially start to shoot them. They're not wrong. Uh, puts the onus of properly defending towns more on the defending team, not town. At least that's a term I've heard them use before, and but it's been a while. Uh, but uh, probably defending towns more on the defending them, which incentivizes interaction between heroes. Okay, I mean, I, I think we've already, in, I think we've successfully incentivized interaction between heroes. If your yeah. if your structure is getting attacked, you go, oh, armor debuff. I'm gonna go murder some fools as a defending hero. Like I don't think there's any. I don't think anyone is saying that we're not incentivized enough to defend our structures right now. I don't think anyone's having that conversation. Cons, Kyle. It makes towers weaker, which could result in tower diving being too prevalent. Okay. It only becomes prevalent if you, the defending team, allow it to be prevalent. So this is another con that I'm not as on board with because player agency should be able to push back against that concern. Yeah. The tough thing here for me again is like, Oh, we're getting, we're getting complicated. Let's just get rid of the armor. Let's keep all these rules we've made about the towers helping out targeting objectives, targeting heroes, but let's get rid of the armor thing because it is supposed to be a benefit to the defending team that the enemy is lacking armor because of their mistakes. Okay. So including forts and keeps, only when we pose lowering the damage and giving different damage numbers now, because I feel like we're that that's just trying to ignore the elephant, which is the armor reduction, which I, I agree that AZ Jackson saying we can keep the armor reduction, but we get, we po- we probably should lower the tower damage to make sure that you're not dying to just a tower. And, and, and I go again, as someone who's been a fierce defender of this anomaly, you're not changing anything. Because again, the conversation isn't about what these towers are doing to you by your when you are by your lonesome. For the most part, the biggest right. concern by the community, and the biggest change this has brought into the game is how it affects team fights around structures. And if you just lower the damage and you don't adjust the armor debuff, that is that doesn't change. You're not dying in a team fight around a structure because of the damage that the towers are putting out. You're dying because of the incoming damage from enemy heroes, and you've got no freaking armor left. Well, and the armor is directly related to our optimized play, our, our new word usage for the for the show today. Uh, you have made a mistake, and that is why you are being targeted with minus armor. If we go about lowering that structure damage, I feel like we should just get into auras at that point. There is an aura around forts and keeps that gives minus armor slowly to everybody. So that way they're being punished for diving, as we're talking about here, or pushing. But, you know, AZ Jackson uses the word diving a lot. And we are universally affecting the team rather than the one person who casts chain lightning poorly. This entire conversation, much like certain key things for you, makes me want to just go, like, just flip the table, just, just get rid of so many of this. This is the most interested I have been in getting rid of armor entirely. Just getting rid of the, yeah. ar- well, not armor entirely, but the armor debuff entirely. Because Kyle, imagine, for, so just a quick little note from Garrett. actually really like your idea of getting rid of armor debuff on the towers, but retaining it on forts and keeps. I really dig that. And, and you're down with me with the uh, range. I want to cut range too. I'm not sure it's necessary. 
I'm not sure it's necessary if we get rid of armor debuff on the towers. Are we going to have a conversation about this right now? Is it no longer a note? No, we, we can please continue your thought. Okay. All right. I'd like to say that, but you now have me really interested in if we keep the call to help attack priority as it exists and we just like armor debuff goes bye-bye. How, what does that free us up? The damage on the towers. Why are, suddenly I am no longer like I, I was never really that interested in reducing tower damage in the first place, but now we can crank it up. We can make yeah. these towers hurt a lot. And suddenly unique hero abilities like the way Garrosh functions is worth something versus tower shots coming in as opposed to being completely negated and essentially deleted by the armor debuff that is coming in off of these towers. Yeah, that's really, that's armor. interesting. Yeah, physical armor gets maybe some exponential power in that way, which might be an odd byproduct. Maybe we need to look at things like, you know, Johannes just got really good talents against reinforced, but something like Dauntless on your rail. God, I can't believe might... I, I can't believe that something that's positive for Garrosh is is, in, is making me so impassioned. <laughs> I hate Garrosh, but it's really it interesting. So it yeah. it affects the draft in a really interesting way. Whereas right now it's just get Johanna, get Johanna, get Johanna. You know, get rid of the, the keep the tower the the priority system in, get rid of the armor debuff, but significantly up the damage. So it's cracking, you know, glass cannons for a lot. And but like suddenly you have, you know, Deathwing's armor. That's playing an interesting role. Garrosh's increasing armor as his health goes down, playing an interesting role. Ah, that's damn it, this is really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, we either way, certain heroes are going to need addressing like a, a Nubarak who used to dive towers based on summons and now no longer does that, but is tuned in his health, we can assume, for such activities. So if we maintain the priority from these anomalies, but get rid of the armor, certain heroes will benefit, others will still need some amount of fixing. But this is, uh, I think we've reached consensus, the two of us here, that that, that feels more natural. The armor's still very interesting, regardless of optimization and brain deadness. It, it's a very interesting world to play in. Yes. Hmm. So is our takeaway from the three proposed changes here is that two of them, we don't even like, just don't even consider them. We don't like them. We love the prioritized map objectives and then give us new suggestions. <laughs> Yeah, I don't want my tower. I, I like map objectives being prioritized. I like um, I like getting rid of armor, which we kind of made up on our own there and maybe so, messing with range. So you're like extent. one out of three here and you would like to reject their reality and substitute our own. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And I don't think these realities are wrong. I think that there is a world where towers can operate different than forts. It just doesn't doesn't compel me. Oh man, I'm so much more interested now in uh, getting rid of armor because I, I just hadn't thought about how it how it opens up the tank pool and makes drafting more interesting. Maybe, yeah. Right. And and like I was saying about those supports that are able to get you back up after being targeted by towers. Um, some some of them have been, of course, buffed like Brightwing. Some of them, of course, are running wild with a a bloodlust buff and are getting their their wins in very different ways. 
Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, anyways, head on over to the forums. Let the devs know what you think. Also, let us know what you think. What do you think of our suggestions? Uh, what do you think of the suggestions from the team? And are there different changes you would like to suggest? Write in itncast at gmail.com or tweet at us at itncast. I love tweets because uh, they have to be kept short. Mm. <laughs> um, so anyways, before we move on and talk about other things outside of this uh, awesome post, just for, for just series, the, I'm going to like bruise the bridge of my nose by hat tipping so hard to uh, the heroes <laughs> team. I like this look into what they're thinking about. I really do. Please do more of this. <laughs> But we have a sponsor to thank today, Kyle, and it's Bombas Socks. They are back, not just keeping our feet extremely comfortable with the most comfortable socks I have ever put on my feet, uh, but keeping me comfortable by supporting the show. They're supporting us, Kyle. Um, if you haven't heard us talk about Bombas Socks before, they are just that. They are the most comfortable socks I have ever put on. Kyle, I know you, too, uh, are a firm believer in the Bombas Socks. Oh, I, I have a standing desk at all mm. streams at all shows now. And I need padded socks like crazy. I started sim racing on the weekends and I recently found out that for pedals, one of the best things you can do besides going absolutely hog wild and buying actual racing shoes is just wear socks. And so I've been using the living crap out of my Bombas socks, learning how to play Gran Turismo, which, oh boy, man, we need to talk about it sometime. It is wild, dude. It is wild. There is like so little room for error. Is I, I kind of love it. Uh, towers reducing ammo or armor too much on huh? uh, Gran Turismo. I mean, Gran Turismo, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, like, oh man, yeah. when I cut this chicane at uh, wow, 100, chicane. 130 miles an hour in an Audi TT uh, GT spec, um, you know, when that tower shot comes in, it really upsets the balance of the car. Right, yeah. whatever you said. <laughs> Back to the socks. Um, go, go check them out because not only do they keep your feet extremely comfortable and they offer things like built-in arch support, which again was a, something I didn't think you could do in socks, but it helps give us back to some of the most vulnerable members of our community because of, for every pair of socks that you purchase, Bombas will donate a pair to someone in need. And uh, the, it turns out the generosity of Bombas customers have allowed them to donate over 34 million pairs of socks. That's double 34 million because it's a pair of socks, Kyle. <laughs> and uh, counting through the network of over 300,000 giving partners. That is insane. It's such a good cause. So go check out Bomba Socks. We're big fans here because you're going to give a pair when you buy a pair. And you're also going to get 20% off your first purchase over at bombas.com slash nexus. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash nexus. We thank them very much for supporting our show and uh, sharing that code with the Into the Nexus community. And we thank you for going to bombas.com slash Nexus. Uh, and now, Kyle, let's talk about the world we're living in, not the world that may be. It's been two weeks since our last big patch, and it was quite a big patch, dude. Cassia has not done well. Uh, I believe she's back uh, in the... Well, you, you brought in a, a strong term on today's episode, so I'm going to bring in a strong term. She, is, she hasn't left the dumpster okay. <laughs> where, she, where she was before the rework, and she continues to exist. Uh, you know, I just went to hot slogs right now. Last seven days, 40% win rate. Yeah, I mean, she's hanging out with the likes of Genji, Medivh, Hanzo, Zarya, Stitches. Oh, man, I need to tell you a story about Stitches. Uh, 
holy heck, Stitch's solo lane is kind of a big deal. I've been seeing it all week. Really? Yeah. So should I not be utterly tilted and feeling like someone just drafted uh, a useless hero when I see Stitch's picked? I mean, I still don't really like the main tank stitches, but uh, take a look at this here. Kyle, there, there, there is no main tank stitches. In coordinated play, maybe, right? Like, I, I, imagine everything stitches brings to the table with someone actually doing the, the, the good work of engaging on the other side. Like, the re-engagement of a stitches, the zone control, just everything stitches brings to a team fight, I think rivals Thrall right now. In terms of as long as we have enough damage. Chop Chop at level four, hitting enemy here with the inner impact of slam grants 50% attack speed for six seconds, followed by level seven cannibalize heal for 2% of your max health every basic attack. You want to know how to hold a Braxis point, a Dragonshire point, my man? It's to never ever die off your basic attacks. And that is one spell. You know how many spells? Leoric has to use, Urel has to use, even Rexor has to use mana-wise to maintain a point. Stitches can do it with auto-attacks and never lose any life. Stitches offlane is really, really powerful and very scary. I don't think there's been an episode of Into the Nexus where you have sold me on more things. It, I need to learn Malthiel. That's, that's my answer. If, I'm, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. He's next. He's not that hard to learn. You'll, you'll get there very quickly. Oh, dude, it's so hard to learn a quick match. I hate hate playing quick match. Oh my God. You're like main tank, uh, main tank Hanzo. It's just the worst. Let's go in unranked. Let's do it. You just blindly draft a Malthiel every game. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. Let's do it in an organized play environment so I can actually get it down. Anyway. Uh, why did I talk about stitches? Oh, because, uh, because we're talking about Cassius win rate being low. Yes. Cassia, low. Uh, Tracer's high, 54%. Yeah, no, Tracer doing really well. Seeing some fans, seems like like flats are more afraid of her. She's up again, actually. She's still rising from last week. Just the last seven days, she's almost at 55%. She's 0.1 off. She does have a bug. And it's her highest win rate talent. Uh, It is most picked 75%. What is the talent? It is untouchable, which every time you get a kill increases your attack damage, but your blink range is increased. And my understanding of it is that when you are close to terrain, you sort of clip around it or through it, and it greatly increases the range of your blink. So you can go much, much further, not only the 33% further, but further beyond that with untouchable. Gotcha. So that, yeah, that is a serious problem. Though I'm still just dying to tracers like in the middle of the lane with no terrain whatsoever. And this isn't playing a role. Um, that lifesteal, man. Jeez. I know. I, I don't want to, I don't want to get lost in that. We, those weeds again, uh, we, we spent a lot of time on it last week with Jay Hal, but yeah, I think there's a really, I think we discovered a really good answer on that show. And that is let the lifesteal work versus heroes, but not lanes. She is regenerating herself in a nearby lane and re-engaging. Tracers should be a burden on your draft and your support in that particular moment. And the healing's not that high. Like, you're going off and farting on a lane. You're not, you're not blowing anybody's minds. It's going to take you a couple, like, a minute to get back to full health. Yep. It's fine. Yep. So, 
but uh, what else is going on? First of all, I'm curious what's going on with your games because uh, I've been not well. So I'm getting, I'm starting to, I'm back in quick match, you know, getting the rust, the, the sick rust off. How's draft? Are, is Zool and De- is it still Zool Deathwing banned out every game? Uh, no, Zool is actually not getting banned that much and sometimes goes entirely uninteracted with he is down after his nerfs uh, about four percent which is what they wanted and deathwing is down 1.5 people still ban a lot of deathwing i think that it is a global it's just a wrench in the system that players aren't quite ready to deal with yet uh, there's the frustration of course of being interrupted with skyfall that might also be a part i think that deathwing is a very cool fourth pick in a draft or a fifth pick uh, when we have a four man all organized up that is not the way i want to play right now i want my off laner that's why i'm so excited about this off lane stitches sort of business it, i like my off laner to show up and be an off tank or to really deliver something outside of just the solo lane business what if i told you there's a hero that uh, brought a stun and uh diet zuljin damage numbers that could be your diet- off laner Diet Zildjian damage numbers. I'm just talking about Sarkyle. Oh, okay. You know that could be uh, that could be Sonia. Sonia does a stun. She's got her her spear. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think Misha's Misha's easier to land, but yeah. Huh. Huh. Anyway, uh, for the most part, all of our buffs went really well. Uh, Probius, depending on what site you look at, was up or down. So we're not really on a on a consistent win rate there. Uh, Probius was able to pull off his infinite level twenties with blocking off an entire objective like Blackheart's Bay, as we saw in the video. It doesn't seem like it's made him run amok. Level 20s can get weird in the first place. It doesn't seem to be an issue. Uh, the buffs that didn't work out are Ragnaros, Jaina, and Li Ming, which I think we can kind of attribute certainly Ragnaros to people playing Sulfur Smash without having worked on Sulfur Smash. Makes sense. I'm, I'm feeling the same way about Ragnaros. Uh... And wins gone nowhere. Yeah, his was more of like a quality of life mixeru uh, on his movement speed. Yeah, I'm happy to see Brightwing climbing because yeah, you Brightwing and I were both, a lot. You and I were both very happy with her rework. Uh, at least in the last seven days, though, it looks like she has she has equalized. Uh, last seven days, ba- uh, gone down 0.1 percent. Basically, means she just hasn't moved. Okay, okay, so we can expect a. A lot of these jumps are part of that first week, and now we've stabilized as we reach our second week of the balance, which is fair. Jaina's case, I mean, we can all laugh at Snowstorm and be like, oh, oh, oh people taking bad talents. I would never Snowstorm. It, it, I think it's fine to encourage that talent, and it's fine that her win rate was affected by it. Uh, Leaming down makes sense, too, because we pulled the timing switcheroo on her. Maybe we'll make our way back to Wave of Force once we get the new timing down. Orphea up almost getting to seven percent but a very very low pick rate here or there and tassadar up almost seven percent and he needed it so tassadar i think is looking pretty healthy he still really wants that front line i am still very sold on archon and storm build making sure you're lowering armor for your allies and being more of a like utility mage armor duty sort of thing i really like electric fence in that regard too because it doesn't affect your Psystorm build uh black hole is fine when rate but i think archon is kind of the way to go yeah i think that's kind of cool too you know having having a like a non-vala reason to want to like really protect a damage dealer 
it's rad that we're getting in like an alternate desire to do that in Tassadar. Kira's been on the rise too, like modestly, but she's getting up there. Or not Kira, sorry, Orphea. I'm getting my original Nexus heroes mixed up. I I honestly uh, would have believed you if you were going on about uh, about Kira. And where is she? She's up 2%. Kira's been taken in the solo lane a little bit here and there versus some of our survive and not die heroes like uh, like Rexar. It can be interesting. I, I, there's a lot of, there's a big increase in solo lane Lunara right now too. People are willing to trade out nature's culling for things like siphoning toxin That's and take that lane. It's interesting. I'm now looking at like, I'm comparing first week of the patch to second week of the patch on Hansel Logs and it looks like Orphe actually took a dive in the first week, but has more or less gotten it back in the second week. I don't even know what to make of that. But and for those following along at home, we're using both hot slogs and heroes profile to sort of double check these stats. Yeah, that's interesting. But I, really, the TLDR and Orphe is that she is uh, like in the healthily above 50% win rate, which I didn't even notice. She's been kind of a sleeper for me. Haven't been keeping I an think- eye on her. So that's surprising me. Yeah, as we as we climb with ease of use heroics, we're going to see people like Orphea take charge and right now rexar is leading that front with bloodlust uh bloodlust is hugely powerful it's certainly it's certainly affected rainer it's affected thrall and their win rates are all kind of being brought up alongside bloodlust and making sure that that earthquake and hyperion can be a part of it uh i mean we might even see things like vala strafe become more mainstream uh, not that you'd necessarily want to strafe during the bloodlust, but you, you see what I'm saying with Orphea. When we start dropping R's, everyone wants to drop an R. Like I saw, I saw a crater on Sonya this week because of this increase in right-click R meta. I like it a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm glad you're seeing it. Um, and like, we, we've been like pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and it's going to be pushed again, but we've been like planning to do a deep dive on like the rise of bloodlust. No joke folks. I think it's been pushed officially for a month because there's just been so much happening here that just hasn't been time to do a deep dive. But like, let's, let's just have a quick conversation about it now. Why, why are we here? Why, why has this happened? It's the, I mean, for me, it's the range. It's the, the, the movement speed combined with the range. Everybody benefits from the auto attack heal. And you're looking at a world more Stormlink based here, of course. I mean, ancestral target one guy, save, put lightning shields on him, pat out the health 10%, drop the ancestral, whole enemy team made a mistake. Let's re engage. I just use the word that I hate and Stormly re engage. Like, that's hard to do. Or, Regar could be far in the back hanging out with Kael'thas. There could be a tank on their back line and Regar can go, everybody heal. And Kael'thas is healing his auto attacks. Everybody's getting something out of it. And it's not hero based. It's basic attacks against primary target. So taking a fort real quick, maybe, you know, like you might want to do in an optimized situation, right? Yeah, that could be helpful. All, all, everything is aided by bloodlust, and the range only means that we bring a group that is disjointed together faster. Rexar catches up to that front line. Lightning shield covers a lot of bases along the way, and maybe even interacts with that ten percent talent as a light ancestral. You know, to, to target a heal that'll keep somebody in particular going while we take care of everybody else. Yeah, it it has gotten to the point where 
I don't go, oh man, bloodlust, how how quaint. Like I don't think of it as like some cute weird off build. I'm actually now I have arrived at ancestral being strange, feeling strange when it's when it's taken. And so uh folks, a little inside baseball on playing the show, four weeks ago wrote up a rise of bloodlust and then like all this anomaly stuff landed and we've just been busy. So this is actually, oh my God, I'm looking at the stats right now, man. It's like the, it tells the stats, tell the perfect story. Four weeks ago, the first like full week of May, the third through the ninth. Uh, this was the reason I wanted to have this conversation. Bloodlust was, uh, had reached a 42% popularity pick against ancestral healing with a little over 57%. Okay. Like that was like the most popular I had seen bloodlust in a really long time. And now if I look at the, basically the month as a whole, bloodlust has overtaken ancestral healing. It has officially overtaken ancestral healing as the most popular heroic for Rhaegar. Just barely It has just eked it out in the month of May with a 51% pick rate, uh, but also almost a 58% win rate over ancestral healings, 53%. And, and why wouldn't it? I, you got all these auto attackers. I just mentioned why mages benefit from it. We could say like Gul'dan benefits from the movement speed to get in the better corruption position. Everybody's auto attacking at some point for the most part. Really the only auto attacker that I just did air quotes, excuse me, podcast audience. If my mocking voice wasn't enough uh, is Phoenix. He's not benefiting because Phoenix's rhythm is so strong that giving him attack speed often doesn't equal superior play. It means a confused Phoenix who doesn't know how to switch around his abilities. <laughs> Is that the hidden text on Bloodlust? Confused Phoenix? Yeah, confused Phoenix. Uh, get him out of position. He's going he's gonna to wander his crazy legs somewhere. That's going to get him in trouble. Mm, nice. Nice. Well, uh, over, I mean, overall, like it looks like there's going to be a lot of flux in the near future with what's going on with the anomaly, which will probably throw meta into flux but like are you how are you feeling about the current meta because like overall i'm pretty happy with it i think you know maybe tanks aside we're seeing a good amount of hero diversity in the draft that it doesn't feel like throws um my gut is just like yeah let's fit let's fix cassia because that rework is cool it is just woefully undertuned no, and th- that's great. And we've said it week after week now, but Cassia just needs tuning and we're expecting that next week. And Cassia could be a ton of fun and a part of any team, really. Like it, it's wherever you want to put your points. You want to spec your, yourself as a character to be good enough to play Cassia at a level that is going to eke out that win over something that might be more simple to pull off uh, like Rainer. Well, tying this into the overarching conversation today about the anomaly, do you think we're going to see an anomaly adjustment with the next balance patch? It is interesting that we are having this conversation today and with enough time for that to affect next week's balance. I think that could absolutely happen. It would be weird to not touch Tracer's bug and Cassia next week. And as for like, you know, over offenders in the game, I don't think, I think Tracer's pick rate's low enough. I mean, our tip, Top, top win rate character right now is Sammy, and I think his pick rate is low enough that we don't need to over-adjust anybody in those veins. I don't think anybody wants to see Medivh and Genji adjusted in order to make everybody 50%, which Jackson said he can do with a number switch, but it wouldn't feel good, and it wouldn't feel fun. I need a cool uh, Samara skin because I need to learn him. 
it's a uh, it's a very very interesting play style. Uh, if I might say, the Sammy community was extremely supportive of my of my video this last week. I really appreciated them. Uh, they they practically uh, embraced it as like, a, look, see, I'm not being frustrating. There's counterplay. You just have to play correctly. Uh, his his play style, if you want to get into it, is very divided on jobs. He's become pretty bad at camp, so he sort of lost a job in that way. You're a clean. You're a flanker, cleanup, split pusher. So what you'll want to do, Garrett, if you want to learn Sammy, is sit in a bush or stealth somewhere if you've got time available. Wait for the primary engage to happen. Let, let, let the blizzards come out. Let the heroics fly. Let all the CCs go. And then walk yourself in the back line and try to pressure them into the tank. And that's very much the way Arthas is playing right now. The thing is, Sammy, if, if he can't succeed in that, will go split push like Asmodan and take a fort and keep. So you basically are judging which of these two is a better option for you. And if you're ganking and killing, you're going with the transmutation uh, illusions heroic. If you need to split push and double soak, you're going with blade storm. I mean, that's, and that's, that's really cool. Cause it's, I mean, it, it's, 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 very analogous to how I play Rexar, just with more of a purpose, right? If 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 I'm making the call to leave lane and come join the fight on Rexar, it's like I'm just trying to tip the scales in my team's favor. I'm not I'm not going in all sneaky, like with like yeah, time to pressure the back line. So that's very attractive to me. Yeah, it'll be massive damage. They basically have to disengage you twice because of not only your mere image switch, which as a new player you'll probably use pretty early because it feels cool to have lots of illusions wailing on one person. But then transmutation, which allows you to switch spots, also clears all CCs like blinds. So they basically have to CC you twice in a row to stop Sammy. You could still walk away at the end of it, which is the frustrating part for a lot of players. Yeah. So, well, moving away from the meta, because I'm sure we'll uh, we'll get a bit of an upset next week. Uh, There were bans and warnings issued over an Imperius bug and not the one you're probably thinking of. But you, yeah, you were you were like, why would they ban people about the animation bug? <laughs> I mean, that was the most recent one that like was the talk of the talk of the walk for a few weeks. The big, big one, and I didn't want to advertise it because it was decently easy to do. Was that you could cast angelic armaments, and as if you had a shield available when it's over, you would get those crazy swords you could shoot, like Li Ming. If you did a shift move right, wait, shift move R, shift move R, shift move R you could queue up multiple casts of this and you basically turn into a porcupine as all these swords went like five, 20 times over, however many times you could squeeze in your clicks. That's busted. And it would like, yeah, it would let you one shot bosses. It would let you, it was very hard to aim. Uh, like a, uh, the porcupine analogy, like it, you would basically shoot spines everywhere and you could delete a whole team from the middle of it. It was hard to do, but if you did it, they were aware of it and they gave you a warning or, or banned you for seven days. I, I think that's fair. It's not yeah. permabans. I appreciate that I did it in try mode, went, oh my goodness. And then I walked away and they didn't warn me. So uh, they, thank you for. <laughs> I really wish they had. Just, this is a stern. Those poor AI. Do you know how much you hurt their feelings? I had to how console Arthas for a week. How dare you? No, I, I was very, I was very careful. I, I didn't want to do it on stream and show how it was done. Uh, it was silly. But uh, it's cool to hear that they took some action. Kyle, I have news for you. 
You're doing yeah. it wrong because if you, as a content creator, get banned by Blizzard, that is the greatest yeah. thing that could ever happen to you for publicity. Yeah, I already got the, I can do the face. I, I, I can open my mouth. I can look shocked and uh, put myself, you know, uh, put an aura around me. You uh, busted. hastily cut yourself out and then you use a white stroke outline because you didn't spend very much time in Photoshop cutting yourself out. Exactly. Well, well I know how to like right click in Photoshop and then you can like add the aura or whatever. So I'm, I'm a step ahead of you. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Hold on. Hold I made on. a lot of thumbnails, Garrett. And I'm, I'm on YouTube, you know. Mm. <laughs> Are you? Are you? <laughs> Um, surprising news, Method is going to host a Heroes of the Storm tournament. Uh, this came about via a tweet, rather unceremoniously. Uh, they recently signed StarCraft II Pro to Muslim, uh, and in a tweet announcing a StarCraft II tournament, because they, they signed to Muslim, they also announced that they'll be putting on a Warcraft 3 and a Heroes of the Storm tournament. To me, this seems like really big news. Uh, yeah. Method is, a, is, a, is an institution. They they make the blizzard rounds certainly, but they could have ignored. Here's the storm in this case, and they're choosing not to. So I have no idea what they're cooking up, but I'm excited to see what it is. Same, same. I'm um, I'm excited. I don't. I'm usually like, yeah, community's just forging on. Like they're just like community tournaments have not ended. They are still going on. You should support them. Uh, uh, I'm I'm in one right now. Like it, yeah, they're they're happening. Exactly. Exactly. Go support Kyle. And t- and co. Yeah, the team. Can we make Brain Dead your chant? Uh, well, our name is Pentanoms, which I think is like what five people eating means. Five people eating has a specific name. Yeah, Pentanoms. You know, nom and Pentanom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fair, yeah. fair. It should be yeah. Hexanom, but I guess it's five people. But we're all about the hexes in Heroes of the Storm, not the Pentas. I mean, yeah, you know, we. We got me and Tim and me like I, I want to name it Hot's dads, but you know we didn't that didn't didn't work out. Mm, all right, fair, fair. Well, uh, shall we bring this home with an email? Let's do that. Darkness stopped calling. Darkness just texted me. It's not the moment. It's a hero brawler. You can write into ITNcast at gmail.com. If you're a patron, drop a message in the patron discord. Thank you for the support. Kessel wrote in and Kessel, we are going to be truncating your email down just a little bit here. Uh, But basically goes in and and, and says reworks are morally spineless and more often than not are a greater debit of goodwill than they are a deposit of goodwill as AZ Jackson would put it. Strong words. Strong words by Kessel. And then Kessel continues and shamelessly tries to gain favor with me by using a car analogy. (laughs) Kessel writes, they just call these reworks when in reality they are putting a 2020 engine in a vintage car. I see nothing wrong with this. This is me, Garrett, talking. (laughs) Instead of investing the time and effort to create a new hero that the community would embrace with open arms, they decide that the people who love these heroes are less valuable than those who refuse to spend the time and effort to learn and appreciate this world that the developers have created. I fully understand that Blizzard, especially the HOTS team, has suffered major casualties in the last year or so, but turning one hero into another and calling it a rework seems dishonest, not only to have the community, but also to them, not only to the community, but also to themselves and their hard work at best. Why has the community lost the expectation that there are some heroes you need to put some research into? 
boy, Kessel, I could not disagree with you more on everything here. Um, There's a, a lot to this email. First and foremost, history lesson. Reworks Ooh, happened oh, damn. way Throw before, down. way before the layoffs. We have had reworks over Heroes entire history. Uh, and typically speaking, they're aimed at heroes that don't really fit into the draft anymore. There are exceptions to that. Like everything, like every conversation we have on this very podcast, there are exceptions. But, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, Kessel. This is, uh, this is the most get off my lawn email I've read in a really long time. I didn't really think about the car analogy in the very next paragraph. Uh, Kessel says it's like we were playing Pathfinder and they made it into fifth edition D and D. So he, he attacked from both angles. Oh, Kessel, I, you're, you're, tr- you're trying to carry no. favor and I, I am not having it, but it's favor on both sides. Like he's not asking mom and dad a different question. He's asking the same question, flattering us both. Like, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm inclined to agree with him. Uh, it's, it's a big email, but I think this is a really interesting take. We've all had heroes. We've lost along the way. Um, for me, it's Asmodan. I don't want to stack cues. Never, never did. I wanted to be a summoner. We've, I don't know a single heroes player who doesn't have somebody that was reworked out of their favor. And when we look at the effort put into something like Tassadar and compare it to a new hero, it's still Tassadar. Why, anyone who didn't want to play Tassadar is not going to play new Tassadar. The possibility of a hero that would interest you is way more enticing in the team's efforts. And I think it's an interesting conversation to have. It is, but as, as if you can't tell Kyle, I recoil the most from things that, uh, from takes that feel uh, overly simplistic. Go on. You said brain dead today, and I came at you with the fury <laughs> of of, okay. a, uh, of a of a blade storm samoro. Um, well, that's that's uh, split soaking, so you would be uh, illusion master. <laughs> my 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 point being, um, I I don't I do not react well to to blanket statement is is wrong and or lazy or insert negative connotation here. I do not react to that. I reject it entirely. There's almost always gray area as there are with reworks. There are bad reworks. There are good reworks. There are okay reworks. I don't think I am trying to think of it. I I guess would you, would you say like, I'm trying to think of a, of a, of a clear example where a rework has just completely robbed a hero of their, of their like identity. Would you say Asmodan is that? No, he became part of the quest movement. Uh, I think Murky is one that people say his identity has vastly changed. You're basically a buzzy minion, and now you're a hero. And that doesn't <laughs> appeal to some people. I mean, you were like a seizure. Like, very early, Murky was just push with puffer fish until you're on the core. Yeah, and, they, I, and I can disagree a little bit with like stacking Nazebo. I, I think that's limiting in limiting his jobs quite a bit. I've never liked Butcher Meat in that regard because Butcher's really good at taking camps. And why shouldn't someone go take care of those? But those don't could, come to mind. As You could fix that by giving him meat for taking camps, which I do think they should do. 
Yeah, and that's something we've talked about before. Uh, and I mean, everyone in the chat right now is listing, you know, their very old Taronda with some uh, with some owl build. Now, I've been on the other side of that, and that, that, that was not fun dying to owls, but... Yeah, know, I, I, dis- I disagree with Taronda, because, like, at the core, like, it was still this interplay of landing autos with, like, being a god with your stun, which was a very unique stun and a very skill-based stun, and that is still, like, at the core of Taronda. And you still have your owl. The fact that it's, like... You're not removing people from the game with it. I don't. I don't know, and, and that's where I. That's where I get to talk about the like. I get into this gray area, right? Is yeah, and uh, they're talking about one shot and abathers from across the map. Like I, I can understand the the emotional high that would deliver to you. Like that's that's some high octane uh, tomfoolery that I could get behind. Sylvanas White Mane has been less like the list goes on. Even even our email here uh, pointed out that Zagara once had four talents on tiers and was limited down to three. Kyrazim had Echo of Heaven moved around, which greatly changed the way he heals uh, of okay. the ones we already listed, but Malkyrian right, well that- became a skill shot hero. And that that is true. I just don't know how this is inherently bad. Change is not inherently bad, and I have seen a lot of it, a lot of that thrown around in the heroes community as of late, that just change equals bad. And that's why I'm very aggressively defensive on recent episodes of the show. Cause I'm just bored with the conversation I'm seeing when this, we, I'm yeah. seeing the same, I think lazy takes parroted. Well, and it's about popularity too. And we stare at a lot of stats and I do a lot of drafting and I love when a character is brought into a role so that they can participate in the game because it's going to make the draft different. HGC Vala Greymane, for example. Like that was boring. Yes. And we have so many more options now. Junkrat instead of, you know, Kael'thas. And that game is going to play very, very differently instead. We still have our extreme popularities like Kael'thas, like Johanna, like Li Ming. Zul's still up there. Garrosh, ETC. These characters do formulate. And if I was sitting on a pile of assets, a character model that is functioning, voice actors that have performed their roles, and I can elevate those resources to be used by from 3% to 10% of a game. As a company, I see why we could do it. If I am, however, a World of Warcraft player, that is a game I have a lot less investment in, like, makeup, play style, I want to play what I want, and it's bizarre to me that they every expansion just completely rework how a, how a priest would do a thing. Well, I mean, that's I think we that becomes a mass, a messy analogy because for people who are invested, that's really important. And like me, do like I over in World of Warcraft, I think current Frosty K is the worst DPS spec I've ever played in my life, and they're not changing it, and I'm furious. Mm. Or, uh, I'm just like I have a max level DK that is dead to me. I think it's unplayable. Sure. Um, that those are hours I will just never get back, and I don't want to play the hero, and it's not changing in Shadowlands, and so I'm like, great. I don't know what I'm playing. Um, although, to be fair, I already got the hell off the Death Knight at the end of Legion when Breath of the Ghost, who became the, the main way to play. I hate it. You want to talk about something that feels brain dead to me. Um, but, uh, like, I, this is where, like, the individual things being thrown out by chat, that I can, I all right, you have me, you have my ear. I'm, I'm not going to initiate, like, just 
just immediately recoil and say, yeah, just, no, no, you're just, no, that's a personal reaction. You're saying that I agree with. And that is something that was even mentioned in the forum post today, right? Which is like when reworks, was it mentioned? Where am I thinking about this? Maybe it's the, the 54, 50% thing that we had to cut for time. But at some point, <laughs> reworks got mentioned. And this is something that they talk about. I think in, I've heard this conversation mentioned by developers of every Blizzard game I've ever done a show about, which is, that they they lean in the direction of change is good because it keeps a game interesting for the people that play it regularly, but that they do, they are concerned with changing things for the players that are happy with the way things are and, and or also players that took a break and are coming back and have been away for a while because they, they can fall into the same category. You may like things the way they are and you don't want them to change or you took a break and you're coming back and you don't want to be disrupted in having your knowledge base just completely out of date, right? There's kind of, there's a Venn diagram that exists with those two players. Um, and, and again, I've seen this from, the, I've seen the WoW team mention this, I've seen the Hearthstone team mention this, and I've seen the Heroes of the Storm team mention it. So it's, it's, it's when you roll out the scroll of grievances of Zagara, Karazim, Sylvanas, and Ziva, Taronda, Malfurion, Abathur, Asmodean, Murky, Cassia, Tracer, Tassadar, as, as Kessel has here and just been like, and just stamp it bad that I go, no, you're being unreasonable. I think we have been unsensitive to the topic though. Like let's take Diva, for example, at a 1.9% popularity. They say, we're going to make D.Va a solo laner. And I'm like, hey, all right, like, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe, like, uh, I might do that if, if you change the way she plays, because I'm not interested in her current play style. I did love her at launch, and I have no interest in playing her now. So, yeah, that would certainly get me to start playing D.Va. But there's the divas out there who main diva who don't want that change to happen and might be afraid of those changes. I, I mean, it, should we call Chen's rework a failure because it's a 3% popularity pick? When that energy to take him that far, particularly particularly when we think of, you know, not just number adjustments, talents, I'm sure, take a long time. I'm sure figuring out that uh, Storm, Earth, and Fire cast the first spell, does different things in different orders sort of business was quite the programming feat. And yet we remain at 3% popularity. Is that a failure of a rework? Maybe maybe the the, the personal response we have here, because the amount of effort we put into the game to become good with so many elements, we're not playing, we're playing in a band, we're not playing solo, and it's frustrating when, you know, your drummer didn't practice and you did. We... It's, a, it's have, usually the bass player, Kyle, just FYI. It's usually, that's actually, you know, that makes perfect sense. Bass player personality, so I can think of... <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, you know, is, is maybe Thank we you. should look at a, a more critical eye there and say, you know, where where is Tracer's popularity now, and is it a financial success and i'd say no that that's another layer to this which is interesting so tracer's up to 36 percent popularity that is a success in terms of a rework then but if the game wants to make money they should put out new heroes because someone who already owns tracer still owns tracer and these prices may have gone down when they get to you know when they get to redoing diva how many of us own diva from picking it up on some sale long ago or just on release that's not making the money either. I mean, New I heroes do. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think about the 
business side of it as much. I just, I just think about the, is it bad? Is it good? And the, and the answer is like, no one's going to agree. You ask enough people, you're going to find somebody that disagrees. I think something that is popularly considered to be a successful rework is bad or vice versa. Right. And so like when I just see a list of, of, of reworks and you say this is bad and lazy or whatever other words, uh, uh, morally spineless is the quote I was looking for. There we go. Um, I just go, no, give me reasons, defend your, your, your standpoint here. And while Kessel does go on to say certain things, like mentions Cassio Tracer and Tassadar says devs took the easy road to create new heroes. Tassadar is no longer a support hero with his shields. He was never a true support hero with his shields. I would argue, uh, he is now an assassin, which makes him entirely a new hero from the Tassadar that existed before. Like, I disagree with that. He's not an entirely a new hero. He had wall before he had shield mechanics before shield is an ability. Now it exists in, on, on talents and whatnot. Like, I think it's, it's too simplistic to say that. I think that Tassadar is a fabulous example because you're taking away a strategic role shields and the way Tassadar delivered shields very different than Zarya gave him a place in a draft other than somebody saying, I don't like Kael'thas, I want to be Tassadar, which is not a tactical decision. It's an emotional or uh, rule of cool decision. We, we did lose Tassadar as a aspect of a draft and a game. And that's very interesting. I mean, I, I, I've actually ended up running off lane Lily a couple times since Tassadar's loss in the game because that's someone who can actually kind of cover that off supporty empowery make sure you don't die during the burst and cc roll uh zari is very immobile and does not feel uh, and lately is mobile in that sense and could take a couple hits and, and, and this, be is, this to is be okay again this is the type of conversation that i'm interested in whether i agree with it or not but like on this list is sylvanas and then there's just nothing it just says sylvanas how is it be- I, I think sylvanas's rework's amazing I think she's still very much Sylvanas. Her trade is intact. Uh, the, the, like one of the most unique aspects of her uh, is still there. Her abilities basically function the same way that they did uh, with a couple of minor tweaks. She's just now a more formidable assassin. They've just kind of shored her up and made it make more sense in this draft-based game that we play to draft Sylvanas. So, and that's that's where I get into this. I don't I don't think. I'm not even close to agreeing with Kessel that reworks are inherently spineless. Have, have you ever, if you ever watch a magic show on TV and they do the card trick and they're like, here's five cards, pick one. And then whoo, they get rid of one card. And it's like, Oh, they're going to narrow it down to just my card. <gasps> and like, there's some psychology that everyone wants to pick Kings or something like that. You ever, you ever seen one of those? I'm really curious. Sure. Where are you going? I'm so curious to see where you're going with this. Kessel's emotional response here is that every time he picked the card that got phased out first. It, 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 like, this is an emotional response to just bad luck, if you want to call it, but character after character of Kessel's investment in this game was turned out and phased around while everyone else, else went, Ooh, oh, that wasn't my card. How cool. Like, wow, this guy's magic. Yeah, and in, in a lot of cases, I would just say give some of these a chance. I agree with some of these, obviously. Like, I, I think Nazebo is just the most boring hero in existence now. Ouch! Like, wow! My God, what a to me like you want you want to start throwing away around accusations. What a failure 
of design. <laughs> could could you come up with a more mundane way to play a video game? Uh man. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying. Can't... I'm trying to roll around here. <laughs> yeah, no, you're 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 targeting my like my quick match relaxation target. Like that's he's oh man, you got some <sighs> zombie up root. You just you know you take some forts. Why you, don't you, you just go watch a movie or read a book? Because that it's just as interactive. <laughs> ooh, <laughs> like, ooh, ooh, like ah oh, man, <sighs> that's fair. This and that, and that's and that's what uh, I feel like we should focus on here. Is this is a emotional response to reworks and i don't mean that in a that kessel's being over emotional here it is important for us to realize that as az jackson said with the debt of goodwill and the deposits of good that if you pick if you pick the wrong cards along the way the magic trick's not working yeah yeah um and there, you know there's other aspects of this too is like i have had this feeling a lot but it's it's so it's been very like the feeling of like losing a hero but it's for me it's been from nerfs almost like 9.9 times out of 10 i have very rarely lost a hero due to a rework Toronto's a big one um but that was actually Toronto. i want to say was nerfs following a rework the rework was actually too successful and they ran her in i loved like when Shadow, like when they changed her healing talent to like actually be good, her healing heroic, where you're everyone go, uh, Shadow, Shadow Stock. Like when that big change came down, loved it. Holy crap, man. I couldn't play enough Taronda. That was one of my first mains. Like I really liked it. And then he just started raining in her power, raining in her power, raining in her power. And now I just, there's no place for Taronda again in, in my mind. There's better places to, there's better things to spend my draft pick on. No, yeah, um, and I feel the same way about Abathur. They, they, they fundamentally split my decision, and it's not an enjoyable choice. I can go full hat and support my team, and that leads me to monstrosity, which I don't want to do. I can go go full hat and support my team, and then I clone it. I'm not able to hat and support my team anymore. So either heroic gives me this feeling like I'm not doing what I want to do, which is honestly I want to spawn locusts and then clone a hero right i want to be a pusher and then show up on the battlefield temporarily so we we all have these heroes and is there a balance that blizzard can make to maintain previous play styles through maybe talents is there a world where taronda living it up killing abathur could have happened at level 20 it, did we have to remove owl sniping from the game? I mean, I, that, that exact thing I would say is like kind of bad. I'm not sure I want that to, to be a possibility. They could just be nowhere near an avatar and remove him from the game. Uh, an example. Uh, let's uh, Tassadar. You know, what if Tassadar had the variant treatment and that he made a, a choice at some level, whether it's one or four or ten, that he could split off into casting shields on other people and become a playstyle that exists in a space while also being available to the wider people who want a mage hero. I mean, it's. I think we start to get into just a, converse, a, a conversation about reality and like bandwidth and capability mm. of, of the team, of what's possible within the engine, uh, of of much like the conversation we were having around structures and armor. 
It's like, wait, are we, hold on. Are we adding way too many exceptions or special rules or edge case scenarios to just to, to stop from doing the simple thing that is maybe a little more controversial, but makes a larger, more positive impact for the majority of the player base. And that's, that's what I think a lot of this comes down to. I would, I would bet more reworks than not probably come down to, wow, there's just such a tiny percentage of people picking these talents or utilizing this hero in such a way, or in the case of Tassadar, was so problematic at high levels of organized play that we had to neuter the hero to such a point where no one's taking him anymore anyway. Like, the, I, I don't know. Again, like, it's one of these things where, like, on a hero-by-hero hero basis, I think the, the reasoning for the reworks are really unique and pretty different from one to the next. And, and, so, and like, I don't know. Like, what, would, what the hell was Tassadar's pick rate even before the rework? What, what, what would, what would the team be spending, you know, hours, months, possibly even years? I mean, they, they did that kind of history. Look at how long it took them to do the Tassadar rework. It was a lot of time. It was something like nine months. You know, how much more time would it be if they were like suddenly, oh, well, let's give, let's give Tassadar the variant treatment so we can, we can keep this old way of build in place, even though it hasn't been viable since we nerfed it for HTC. Sure, Tassadar went from 2.8 popularity to 48% popularity. Uh, to me, like, that's, that's it. That's like, I, I don't, I don't want to just be like, cool, case closed. <laughs> New Tassadar is a success, and old Tassadar, no one played. Um, it's, they've never said it officially, but it's like my assumption on why Arena gets very little love in Hearthstone. I don't think anyone plays it. And when I say anyone, I think... I think we were talking single digit percentages of the Hearthstone player base plays arena. They're never going to tell us that, but their behavior sure makes it seem that way. And I think it's a hard truth at a certain point. There's just not enough people to make it worth keeping things the way they are or putting more work into it. That's fair. I, 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 I absolutely, we agree on that point. Uh, the thing that uh, speaks to me with rework sometimes is the hipster factor, right? Yes. Like if, if you had a hero that was yours and you never saw anybody else play and they rework it to 48% popularity, that's a blow to you. And it can be tough living in a world where your particular hero that was always available is now something completely different and being praised. Uh, I, I'm sure the heck. Star Wars, whatever um, your reason, Marvel, whether it's a hipster factor or you just, just like you're a legitimate master of this hero and you've lost it to a rework. I completely understand. And that does, it does suck to be a part of like the minority that loves something that is niche and for that niche to be gutted for mass appeal. But also to come back to your analogy, Sometimes you just want a 450 horsepower Miata and it's the coolest shit you've ever pressed the accelerator on. There you go. I think that, I think this is an important topic to bring up. Let's say it without arguing with the email or, or critiquing it, they may need to think about what sort of debt investment. Uh, what, what was the phrase again? Uh, debt of goodwill, deposit of good these reworks are performing when they are in such quick succession. It, it's a weird time. Uh, we haven't really talked about it because we've just been on the ride, but this is a lot of reworks really fast. 
And we don't have that new hero, which I think is wearing people down for that deposit of goodwill that a hero would be. Now, to that point, the Reddit has been full of devs uh, getting really, really cheeky about an announcement next week, perhaps. Uh, saying, oh, there won't be one. Or will, will they? And they're like playing with themselves. <laughs> so uh, we could have an announcement or a teaser next week about the new hero. Yeah, I... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I'm just, this was a really interesting conversation. And like, Castle, I want you to know, like, I had a, a strong anti or opposite opinion to, to you. But thank you very much for sending this in and being as unfiltered as you were. Cause I don't think this conversation would have went as deep as it did without you teeing this up in the way that you teed it up. Oh, so. it, it, it was all spelled correctly too. This is a <laughs> email that we cut down. Like, An amazing punctuation and put in uh, an analogy <laughs> language. That, beautiful, beautiful punctuation. And you didn't, Oh, I can't stress this enough. You didn't double space it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well done. Well done. Double, well formatted. double spaces make my eyes vomit. They just, they just go, they dry heave at the start of every new sentence. And I, and I have to go in and remove each of them. Um, but like, I feel for you. And like my, like TLDR is give a couple of these a try. Like Sylvanas is a, is a huge, like exception. Like I, th- I think most people would agree the most successful rework ever, but go, go give Sylvanas a try. Taronda yeah, still fun. When I do take Taronda out, amazing. Karazim, his win rate's never been better. I've never been less angry to see Karazim on my on my team. And I don't, I don't know, like maybe maybe because like I only take Karazim out on an odd occasion when I'm just I'm feeling cheeky. But you can still delete people with seven sided strike. That that's what I used to think of like old Karazim. I'm like, well, we don't have a healer, but we might delete someone with seven sided oh. strike, and that is still and, a possibility. And that's yeah, that's I, why I went I from defend reworks. I went from having a friend who mained Malfurion to just can't play him again. It's too hard. And I love Malfurion. I, I, he's my pious played support hero right now. So. Folks and strokes. <laughs> different strokes and different yeah. folks. Yeah, but, you know, in general, there's strokes and folks. Yep. A1 in the chat room wants us to hit the 50% topic in four minutes. We should get two minutes. Hot seat, go. Oh, uh, it was a really nice post about Force 50% uh, battling the perspective on why players use it as a opportunity to dismiss what happened in the game. I do not begrudge them, the developers, for being tired of this topic because they can't even account for us being tired. I can get in there and just suck bad because I stubbed my toe or heck overclicked, overclipped my damn pointer finger. And now it hurts a tiny bit whenever I press E or R and I kind of suck this match. There are so many factors in the game. I think the matchmaker works hard every day to do its best. Yeah, yeah. Um, AZ Jackson's post about Force 50% is, a, is, a, is an interesting read. There's not hard facts or big revelations of how the matchmaker works. It is just reminding us how MMR and ELO works in essentially every game that has MMR or ELO. Um, this is, these are not new things. Uh, it just reinforces it. What it is is a really interesting conversation on essentially philosophy 
Um, and I, if I if I had to hazard a guess, I bet AC Jackson has watched a not paradox video or two, because this to me seems like a not paradox uh, like philosophy of game habits like video. Oh, sure. There's a huge one for Overwatch. There's been many done about League of Legends, like MMR discussions and how they work have always been approached by math YouTubers. But the the answer is never satisfactory because it just feels too wide and it doesn't account for enough, which is what performance based matchmaking tried to do. And I still applaud them for trying. And it's it's. Sad we can't live in a world where ETCs didn't farm damage on themselves so that they could get higher stats. Yeah, and that's why I like this post, because while it is, I think, extremely philosophical, it is one of the most, not, like, no bullshit uh, kind of discussions about the topic. It's just like, listen, MMR is as simple as it can be because everything else is far too complicated to account for. Like, it is the TLDR on this. It's just like, we can't account for you having a an off day we can't we just can't we're sorry we're sorry your cat pooped in your shoes we don't we don't have an algorithm for that so uh it's an it's a great read we're gonna leave the link in the show notes even though uh we we that was gonna be a bigger conversation for today but we definitely had to push it for the anomaly feedback post because that was whoo that was meaty so uh go check it out that's gonna bring us to the end of this episode Folks, listen, you like the show? You want to support us? We've got a Patreon for that. Head on over, patreon.com slash ITN. Listen, everything from our $1 patrons all the way up to our producer patrons, like keeping the lights on, helping us pay bills. It all adds up. It all helps us keep the lights on and pay bills. We really appreciate the support, everybody. So go check it out, patreon.com slash ITN. If you like our show and uh, you want to help, us be able to continue putting the amount of time that we put into this into this show. Also, huge thanks to our producers. Speaking of which, Declan H, Cheesy Bob, Chris K, Mike C, and Eric C. Thank you so much for the support. Uh, other than that, you can find the whole back catalog of Into the Nexus episodes over at amove.tv. Maybe you missed the recent episode with Jay Howe. You can get it there. You can go all the way back to episode one if you want to. I don't know why you would. That's I th- okay. I think the show's definitely gotten better. But- <laughs> it got better, but it's not, it's not bad. Like, we were, you know we done a couple of years of podcasting at that point. I think it's all right. I think it'd be okay. I agree. I agree. Um, also you get, uh, you get a, an ad free patron feed. You get access to the patron only discord. You can sign up to come play games with us for, with our monthly, monthly patron bonanzas. We're going to do one next Thursday night. Head on over to patreoncom slash ITN to sign up. But Kyle, before we leave, where can people find everything you're doing? That isn't just specifically into the nexus. You can find me over at twitch.tv slash Kyle Ferguson, where you can find my view of all this Heroes Hearth action going on with the CCL, with the Wednesday Dream Team. You can watch that over at twitch.tv slash Heroes Hearth. Excuse me. (laughs) Making sure there wasn't like some specific thing at the end, like Heroes Hearth underscore CCL or something like that. Yeah, TV or something like that. Yeah, you never know. You never know. Uh, but, you know, if you're watching that and you're like, you know what? I mean, I haven't gotten to see what's going on in solo lane double soak Leoric. I'd really like to know what it looks like up there battling Masters Ragnaros. You can watch those on my channel while the actual broadcast is going on. And I appreciate everybody who comes by with encouragement, giving their eyes, giving their views. And uh, be sure to check out YouTube.com slash Kyle Ferguson, where a lot of those highlights go up from the week of games. I am Garrett Art on Twitter. Two R's, two T's, and Garrett. I trust you know how to spell art. 
everything, this show included, over at amove.tv. Check it out. Go subscribe to The Angry Chicken for Hearthstone. Let's talk about Star Wars for Star Wars. Uh, wow killer for World of Warcraft. And uh, it does look like, unless I unfortunately get sick again, that uh, Katie and I are going to be back tomorrow night, Friday at 9 p.m. Eastern time over twitch.tv slash amove.tv for cocktails and quarantine, where Katie and I each make a cocktail. We walk you through the process and then we literally just sit at our kitchen bar and turn it into a virtual bar because we miss going out for drinks. We miss hanging out with our friends. So come hang out in our virtual bar and uh, have some cocktails. Twitch.tv slash TV again, 9 p.m. Eastern time on Fridays. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of Into the Nexus. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, uh, especially to my old cranky butt this week. I feel like I was uh, the most uh, strongly defensive I have been in a very long time. But I uh, hope you enjoyed it, everybody. Let us know how you feel. Good luck and have fun, everyone. Take care. Take care.